Established in 1987, the National Constituent Assembly had a huge task at hand to create a whole new state. Over different periods in the 20th century, the will of one man was the law of the land. Now, 560 men and women would establish a new institutional framework for the country. What would our system of government be? What powers should the president have? And how would the balance between the three branches of government work? My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, and I welcome you to the second episode of our special podcast about the 30th anniversary of Brazil's constitution. Hoje, 5 de outubro de 1988, During the dictatorship, Brazil had only two parties. In the opposition, the generals allowed the creation of the Brazilian Democratic Movement, or PMDB, as it was a docile opposition that had little effect on how government was run, it became known as the Yes Party. On the opposite side of the aisle was the National Renewal Alliance, the party of the dictators, the Yes Sir Party. Other parties were created in 1980, but when Brazil chose its constituent assembly six years later, the best-known politicians belonged to PMDB. The party won the election by a landslide, getting 303 of the 560 seats. Its members occupied the key positions of the National Constituent Assembly and immediately began clashing with the president of the time, José Sarney, who was a supporter of the dictatorship. As we explained in the first episode, Sarney was never meant to become president. He was the VP and only took office after the death of the president-elect. From his first day in office, Sarney had trouble asserting his power and was quickly sidelined from the work of the Constituent Assembly. Few issues exposed the divisions between the President and Congress more than which system of government would we choose. The more liberal wing of PMDB wanted a parliamentary system. Since 1889, Brazil had only had a presidential system, with a strong leader guiding the entire nation. Another issue was how long the term of the head of state be, Lawmakers in favor of a parliamentary system wanted four years and wanted the change to be enforced immediately, reducing Sarney's term, who had been elected for six years. The perspective of losing one-third of his term woke up the weak president, who began gathering support to launch a counterattack. Claudio Couto, a political scientist and columnist at the Brazilian Report, explains how he did it. There was a reaction of the more conservative group inside the Constitutional Assembly, and uh, members from different parties, not only the PMDB, but from many other uh, parties at the Constitutional Assembly, they decided to create a suprapartisan group that was called Centrão, or the Big Center. Members from different parties or, uh, of a more conservative perspective that uh, united in order to control, in order to put a, a check on the positions that were established by the, the, the left wing. With this new big center, the president made a proposal to his adversaries. His allies would vote for the system change, as long as Sarney's term was settled at five years, not four. But the liberal wing of the PMDB wouldn't budge. They wanted both things. A parliamentary system and to cut short the Sarney administration. In the end, they didn't get either as Bernardo Cabral, a member of the Constituent Assembly, explained in an interview to Senate TV 10 years ago. 
Different forces came together. José Sarney, as president, had the help of several powerful political leaders. At the time, people said he distributed federal concessions for TV and radio ownership in exchange for votes in a quid pro quo manner to shut down the parliamentary system proposal. All in all, the rules were decided as follows. Brazil would be a presidential republic. Sarney would stay in office for five years, but his successors would get four years. As a sort of compromise, the assembly decided that, after five years after the constitution was approved, a referendum would be put to the Brazilian people to definitively choose between a presidential system and a parliamentary one. In the end, the referendum included a somewhat bizarre question, as Rodrigo Viseu, a political journalist at Folha de São Paulo, explains. Making a referendum about it wasn't a surprise at all, actually. What was a surprise was the inclusion of one more question in the voting process. If would Brazilians prefer to continue to have a republic, or if they would rather re-establish the monarchy? In 1993, Brazil said no to the parliamentary system and to the monarchy. This atmosphere of accepting any kind of proposal was described by former president Fernando Henrique Cardoso, who was a member of the Constituent Senate. He compared the Brazilian Congress at the time to the student movement of May 1968 in Paris. After 21 years of dictatorship, it was forbidden to forbid. However, according to former lawmaker Fabio Feldman, the need to please everybody created many problems. He believes the institutional framework decided upon by the National Constituent Assembly left a lot to be desired. In the attempt to create a consensus, we left too many gray areas and made many mistakes. The judicial system, for instance, we practically copied from previous constitutions. Not us, not society. No one debates those issues. Our objective was to democratize the country, period. In that regard, we were successful. Legal scholar Tomás Pereira from the think tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas explains how lawmakers struggled to set the balance between the three branches of government. After a uh, period of dictatorship, I would say that there was some concern with trying to establish a perfect balance between empowering the legislative to oversee and to take a relevant role in, the, in our constitutional system, but at the same time, realizing that the executive and the government needed leeway to govern and to establish policy decisions that were necessary in a modern society and in a extremely in a developing country. Although the new constitution meant a new democratic Brazil, it also incorporated many of the powers that authoritarian presidents enjoyed during the military dictatorship. As political scientist Maurício Santoro from the State University of Rio points out. The presidents of Brazil after the constitution were much more powerful than the presidents that we used to have in the 50s, in the 60s, in our first experience with democracy. Because the constitution incorporated the powers that the military dictatorship gave to the president. The powers to enact legislation, the power to present to Congress ideas for new laws, bills for, for new laws. It also gave the president a, a very special place in our political system. And it gave several tools to the presidents of today to rule Brazil. 
vesting lots of power in the head of state, the Constitution also forces him or her to deal with the fragmented Congress in a system where coalitions are necessary for achieving anything. As a matter of fact, Brazil incorporated many traits of the parliamentary system into its presidential one, making it a sort of institutional Frankenstein's monster. It is. Uh, a presidentialist uh, system. Pedro Abramovay, a former National Secretary of Justice and director of the Open Society Foundations in Latin America and the Caribbean. But the president has to uh, invite to the ministry uh, parliamentarians or, or at least people who have, have represent the, the, the parliament. And this is much more common in parliamentarian system, where the parliament, you know, parliamentary congress uh, uh, people participate at the government, right? In presidential system, many, many places, like the U.S., you have to resign your congressional position in order to be able to participate in the administration. And in Brazil, it's the opposite, right? It's, it, it always requires the president to invite uh, parliamentarians to participate in the government. The relationship between Congress and the president's office has been problematic at best. At times, different administrations faced accusations of bribing lawmakers in order to secure majorities. In other cases, tensions between the two branches of government led to Congress impeaching the sitting president. The last time it occurred was in 2016, in very controversial circumstances. In these 30 years, Brazil's political system has already shown many signs of fatigue, but that doesn't mean that the Constitution had created bad rules. Like Pedro Abramovait said during our interview, the problem doesn't rely on the Constitution. On the contrary, problems begin when we don't respect our charter of rights as we should. In the next episode, we will discuss the main legacy of the 1988 Constitution human rights, and the unified healthcare system. This podcast was written by me, Gustavo Ribeiro, and produced with Diogo Rodriguez. Maria Marta Bruno was responsible for audio editing and Ewan Marshall for text editing. This is the Brazilian Constitution Special Podcast. <laughs>